Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Ciao, hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our local tough guy, Slick Frog Sanders. Mike, Dave, what's up? Good to be back, guys. What's up, buddy? Back with another holy roller on the Vatican, huh? Part two. It is. Last debriefing, we covered the history of the Vatican. We got into the politics and economy of the Vatican City State, as well as some very important and historical landmarks in the area. We briefly discussed the Pope as a whole, what role they play in the Vatican City State. And then we got into the good stuff. We started talking about the archives, one of them being the Grand Grimoire. Yes, the book to summon the devil. Do you use it? Mm, yes. Have you gotten your hands on it? I wonder what else is in that book. You know, they said stuff about spells and different things like that, but also summoning the devil. So I wonder what other practical things there could be. If you could have a spell to do anything, what would it be? So much brain thought. Uh, it's a tough one. It's tough, but it's kind of easy. I don't want to get all too personal on this podcast, but have you guys seen the movie Onward? That movie crushed my ass, dude, because it's about somebody's dad passing away and they get an amulet and some spell to have him back reanimated for like 24 hours. So that would probably be a good one. I'd say that's that's a realistic want for a spell for sure. You know, when it comes to things like that, I always think the worst possible thing. It's like when you get a genie, you know, and, and he goes, hey, you got three wishes. And then you go, oh, well, I wish I had a car. And then he sticks like a pinto up your ass or something. He's uh, like, well, you got a car. <laughs> you know, there's always one asshole out there that's misinterpreting people's wants and needs. You didn't you didn't specify what car and where? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you didn't say that you didn't want it in your colon. <laughs> we also covered the possibility of UFOs and aliens having some sort of entanglement with the Vatican. We spoke about the devil and his possible imprisonment at the Vatican. You know, the Pope keeping him hostage. You devil, you. <laughs> or the devil living inside the Pope. Ooh. <laughs> we got into legitimacy of Jesus Christ. That one's the one of the biggest ones I think we talked about, because it's one thing if they're hiding his bloodline, if he was a real person, and they're just keeping that under wraps just out of safety for that family. But it's a whole other thing to be like, huh, none of it was real, haha. <laughs> Yeah. It would be a little bit earth shattering. chaos. Yeah. We explained it. And then we finished up our debriefing with the Knights Templar and the, the possible Illuminati trail that the Knights Templar left behind. And their current possible status of controlling the actual archives themselves. This debriefing for debriefing number 12, we are talking about the Vatican again. This time, instead of sitting in pews, we're going to take a seat in the confessional. Put your head in my lap. We're going to offer our donations today. 
<laughs> pass around the fucking bowl. Body of Christ. But before we splay ourselves across that altar, just want to remind everyone of our social medias that you can find us on. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also go to YouTube and find our YouTube channel where we have all the audio for every single episode that we do. Check us out on TikTok where we are doing all the viral dances and also putting up videos that make people very uncomfortable. <laughs> On Instagram, you can find us where David has been memeing it up nonstop. And you could also find us at Hush Hush Apparel, where we will be releasing all of our merchandise as soon as it is done. Frank's Dapper Drip. Dapper Drip. Frank's da- Dapper Get Drip. Fresh. As soon as those little Vietnamese kids are done printing them on t shirts, they're on their way <laughs> to your lazy house. ass kids with their bloody ass fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and bleeding all over the shirts Shut up We're gonna dive right in with the three secrets of Fatima The three secrets of Fatima consist of a series of apocalyptic visions and prophecies Which were given to three young Portuguese shepherds Lucia Santos and her cousins Jacinta and Francisco Marto By a Marian apparition starting on the 13th of May in 1917 The three children claim to have been visited by the Virgin Mary six times between May and October of 1917. The apparition is now popularly known as Our Lady of Fatima. According to Lucia, around noon on July 13, 1917, the Virgin Mary entrusted the children with three secrets. This is a partial quote, and I'm not even going to say the whole thing because it you'll get the picture. One of the quotes was a vision of hell. This is what she wrote, and quote, Our Lady showed us a great sea of fire, which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves together within the great clouds of smoke now falling back. You get we're watching a Constantine scene. It was essentially my 30th birthday. (laughs) That's so sad. End of life. (laughs) That's like an eighth of that entire quote. It just goes on and on and on. It ends with, it horrified us and made us tremble with fear. I mean, I would imagine if you saw that. I'm just thinking about this. So they said that that this was said to three young Portuguese shepherds. It's got to be scarring. It's three Portuguese children (laughs) that are saying this stuff. Which is, I think, even worse, because if you know anything about me, creepy children are my weakness. And uh, I don't know. I think if one of these kids came up to me and they were like, hey, by the way, there's demons and souls and they're burning like transparent embers. I'd punch one of them in the throat and (laughs) run away. That's a straight (laughs) shit. Oral pants. The second secret being translated to these children was that World War I would end along with a prediction of another war during the reign of Pope Pius XI. The third vision. Sister Lucia chose not to disclose the third secret in her memoir of August 1941. (laughs) Tease. In 1943, Lucia felt seriously ill with influenza and pleurisy. Bishop Silva, visiting her on September 15, 1943, suggested that she write the third secret down to ensure that it would be recorded in the event of her death. Here's what she wrote. I write in obedience to you, my God, who command me to do so through His Excellency, the Bishop of Lyra, and through your most holy mother and mine. 
After the two parts, which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand. Flashing, it gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire. You get it. It's heavy. It's, it's heavy a Dragon stuff. Ball Z battle. I mean, we can just kind of... <laughs> that's like a partial quote from that, too. That's yeah. That's wild, man. It is wild, and and the one thing that sticks out to me is the part with the angel with the flaming sword. This, to me, references an archangel, so the only one that really comes to mind with a flaming sword would be Michael. So, Michael the archangel with a flaming sword in his hand, and archangels are like the super soldiers of heaven. Could it be archangels, like, destroying the world? That would tie it up nicely. The, The three of them have to go together in a sense, don't they? In the book of Revelation. It describes a war in heaven, which Michael, being stronger, defeats Satan. Satan is thrown to earth along with fallen angels. Yeah. So that that's, yeah. So And he's holding a sword in every depiction. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. And we saw an immense light that is God. That's heavy. Sounds like a nuke. Yeah. Could be interpreted that way, especially if this was said during World War One, World War Two. we come around to atomic bombs. True. I wonder why she chose not to disclose it while she was alive and kind of left it as somewhat of a deathbed note. Like Mike said, she was a tease, man. <laughs> Teasing even in death. The response, actually, from the church, there's a cardinal, Cardinal Tarsicio Bertones. This is a partial quote from what he said, because his quote is astronomically long. It's as long as the Vatican's history itself. (laughs) So I took a small smidge of it. He starts off, that's absolutely crazy. So, I mean, (laughs) you could see their point of view right off the bat. Look, you're claiming that the prophecy of Fatima is about the apostasy of the Church of Rome, that it is a prediction of Rome's transformation into the throne of the Antichrist, despite the love Our Lady has for the Pope and the Popes for Our Lady. Anyone can write books based on conspiracy theories on biased interpretations. This guy sounds like a real downer. Yeah, like... (laughs) No fun. He goes on to say anybody can take sentences out of context and present them as clues to some supposed plot to avoid divulging the truth and to transmit into a code that only the initiates can understand. We do that weekly. That's kind of our thing. (laughs) That's kind of our bag, baby. Maybe this guy's not that bad. (laughs) He gets it. To further go on with this quote, he goes, no, the whole theory you allude to is a fabrication. And this supposedly factual account is actually the sort of device the Masons Mm. used to invent to discredit the church. I'm surprised that journalists and writers who claim to be Catholic let themselves be taken in by it. Damn, bro. And he calls out the Masons. He does. Kind of makes you think about how involved Freemasons are in the world and their mission against the church. Interesting. Interesting. Another thing in the archives is something that I am super into, and it's just, um, you know, it's, it's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, we got to look at the pornography of the Vatican. Super into it. <laughs> I'm super into it. Apparently, and this this is this is kind of one of those things. He did work in a porn shop and work in strip clubs. So. Hey. Yeah. Hey. So apparently, and this is news to me, this was a, a fact that I did not really know of, the Vatican houses the largest collection of erotica in the world. This statement 
was actually confirmed not only by Copenhagen's Museum Erotica, also in writings by noted feminist scholar Camille Paglia in the National Review. You know, I gotta know what Vatican porn looks like. Well, I'm, at first I was I was kind of taken away by that, but I'm not incredibly surprised because they seem to just be like gatekeepers of human history. They've got their hands on the Galileo trials and stuff like the Knights Templar scroll. I'm not surprised that they've got a fuckload of porn. I'm sure they have, you know, a lot of a lot of things. But for it to be the largest collection of, of erotica in the world, I don't know, kind of crazy. I think you got to kind of break the word down too. When they talk about the collection, they're not actually saying pornography. They're saying erotica. Now, erotica doesn't necessarily imply sex. So for all we know, it could literally just be thousands and thousands of dick pics. Yeah, I was just about to, that's, <laughs> that's what I was naked about to say. angels and shit. That's what I was about to say is is just shelves and shelves of phallic images. <laughs> You're just going through pages. Wow. That's just like I can't believe throughout thousands of years of history dick pics have been around forever. Little known fact, three quarters of the archives is just dick pics. <laughs> It's just guys who sat in front of a mirror and on a papyrus at one point and then actual paper. You know, maybe some of these guys even stamped a dick pic on stone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Before we go ahead, what's your opinion on the three secrets of Fatima? Do you think those little girls were crazy or do you think that there's something to it? I don't know. I don't know if I could just trust the word of three random little Portuguese kids. <laughs> Any three little That's, any three little kids. Any three, yeah. Do we know how old they were? Old enough to be sheep herders. Yeah, so at least five. They started young, probably in 1917. There's no school. Go get in the pasture. Let's say they're 10 to 15 years old when this happened. If a 13-year-old kid comes up to you and goes, I saw the Virgin Mary, I saw hell, and I saw a guy with a sword, and I saw the end of a war, I'm going to be like, shut the fuck up and get away from me. The thing about it is, is like, if it was that simple, where it was, hey, I saw a flaming sword and I saw God and I saw, you know, clouds and, and fire. If the description was that simple, you could look at it and think to yourself, these kids are making this up. But really look at the verbiage and the words it's, that they used deep. as as little kids. That's true. It's very vivid. So that's true. Even if you're of that age group and you're making these extreme claims, if you present it to me that way, the way that they're presenting it, then I'll be like, all right, let's sit down. It definitely takes some interpretation. But the second part of it where they're saying World War One would end along with the prediction of another war during the reign of Pope Pius XI, we're talking about World War Two. Now, World War Two started in 1939 and Pope Pius's reign as Pope ended in 1939. Pope Pius went out in February and the war started in September. So, I mean, we're a little months off there. Not a bad prediction. Yeah, just to predict alone that there was going to be another great war is something in a, of itself. And there's some merit to that, I believe. There's some validity to what they're saying. But like I said, it depends on what's said. What we had explained is literally a minute, tiny, tiny part of this entire thing. It's pretty fascinating. And the verbiage is wild. It's also probably translated from Portuguese, too. So the verbiage could be different. Yeah, translations are always a little off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
instead of peering into some erotica, we're now going to peer into the chronovisor. The chronovisor, described by Father Francois Brun in his 2002 book, The Vatican's New Mystery, was claimed to be a functional time viewer built by Pellegrino Ernetti, an Italian priest and scientist. In the early 1960s, Ernetti began to study the writings of Francois Brun, himself also a Roman Catholic priest and author, and he, he claims that using this device, this chronovisor, he was able to witness a performance in Rome in 169 BC. Now, Ernetti allegedly ended up helping Brun construct this machine. Apparently that 2002 book was about this guy, and, and he mentions that he worked with a team of 12 world-famous scientists. Now, this is interesting. He mentions two of them, one Enrico Fermi, who created the first nuclear reactor. That's pretty substantial. And Werner von Braun. We all know who he is. I would assume the Fermi, Fermi paradox is named after this guy. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Makes sense. That is an interesting couple, at least a couple of people that you have on this team to help build this thing. So the chronovisor was described as a large cabinet with a cathode raid tube for viewing the received events. There were buttons, levers, and other controls for selecting the time and the location of the view. It could also locate and track specific individuals. According to the inventor, it worked by receiving, decoding, and reproducing the electromagnetic radiation left behind from past events. It could also pick up the audio from the same events. The alleged existence of the chronovisor has driven a whole bunch of conspiracy theories and that the device was seized and is actually used by the Vatican or by those who secretly control governments and their economies all around the world. Pellegrino Ernetti. I had mentioned he had claimed to use this machine and witness something in 169 BC. He also has claims that he witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus, which he says he has a photograph of it. Mm. And he claims to have put a photograph out in an issue of a, a magazine in 1972. It ends up being like a really doctored image of a postcard. Of <laughs> a postcard? <laughs> yeah, but still, the guy claims that he witnessed that, which it's a time machine. For all intents and purposes, it is. So it, it's just a viewer though, right? It's not actually taking somebody to the time and place that they're wanting to look at, right? Uh, no, it's not actually transporting yeah. the person yeah, there. Yeah, just, just a viewer. So besides the crucifixion of Christ, what would the Vatican want with something like that? That brings into question, does it only look at the past? If it works off of electromagnetic radiation left behind, then yeah, you could say that it only looks at the past. But again, that brings into question what time is believed to be. So if time is just repeating... Could it be the future? Yeah, if time is just repeating throughout time and space and everything that will happen has happened a billion times before, who's to say that that electromagnetic radiation left from the future isn't also accessible to view. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me a lot of, and I know that we're referencing a lot of pop culture in this episode, but there's a, sh a show called Devs. And in the show Devs, they pretty much create a chronovisor. It's done through coding and the most massive learning AI machine in the world. But that was one of the things that they looked back on. They went back through time and looked at the crucifixion of Christ. And they looked at the creation of the universe and all these different things that happened throughout time 
time, but they were also able to go into the future. And I, I would imagine that if time does work in kind of a rotating fashion for all of eternity, then you would be able to see the quote unquote future. Yeah, yeah. By by that theory, it would only make sense that you could see into the future. And this is definitely something that if anybody's going to have this, the Vatican would want to have the this The gatekeeper device. of fucking humanity. If it is a true device that does work and you are able to go back in time or whatever time is, well, I would want to hold on to this under lock and key as well. And also look at the conspiracy theory, which Frank just talked about, is you have the theory that this is not only controlled by the Vatican, but it's also used by secret governments and it's used by countries and, and economies from all over the world. So if that's true, why would countries and a secret government be so interested in things that have already happened? What does the past have to do with current economies or future economies? Learning from the past is for one, but if it does work in sort of a circular motion, that being time, and if you could see into the future, they could potentially alter something that they're seeing that they don't necessarily want to see. Yeah, but are they able to alter an event, or is it just something they can view? That goes into a lot of time paradox type of discussion yeah, that, I mean, that we could yeah. fill an entire hour about. Episode 706. Theoretically, we'll if the chronovisor is being used by governments and countries to enhance their economies, then they're able to look forward and see this stock is doing really well in 10 years. So we'll invest in this stock or mm. we'll start this company or we'll look and see what the future tech is going on and we'll just start working on that now. Can you imagine if that's how Facebook happened? Zuckerberg used the chronovisor? Not to veer too off course, but that was another conspiracy theory that had to do with Steve Jobs. Really? So there was there was a theory. Yeah, I could see there that was a too. theory that Steve Jobs was maybe not a time traveler, but a time manipulator. And he was able to see all these things, these different technologies way ahead of time. And that's how he released the iPhone and iPads and everything with an I. That is a conspiracy theory that Steve Jobs, among others, Elon Musk, Nikola Tesla, Bill Gates. Bill Gates? Yeah. Bill Gates? And they could just be smart guys, too. That's also very, very possible and most likely the answer. But if a time machine does exist... And there are people that have used them or have utilized the information that they've gotten off of them. Take a close look at technology and the boom, the absolute almost overnight giant leap that the world has taken from even the past 20 years. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. The rate at which technology is advancing, that could easily just be due to you develop one new piece of technology and it's going to open up opportunities to develop, say, 15 more. That could be the reason, but it could also be because of some sort of viewing. They did say Nikola Tesla was from Venus, right? Yeah. Everyone's using the chronovisor. They're just renting it like a fucking Redbox movie. Yeah, everybody just takes a trip to Rome. <laughs> Hangs out in Vatican City and straps into the Matrix. <laughs> Looks at fucking Vatican erotica yeah. and hooks into the fucking Earth <laughs> yeah. VR. Yeah. Would you like the premier package or the standard package? Well, the standard package just takes you back to the crucifixion. The premier package, you get 30 minutes of erotica. <laughs> but imagine, imagine if you're just hellbent, you're like, dude, I'm going to see some of the Renaissance's nicest paintings of nudity and you just get archaic dick pics. 
<laughs> I, I for for some odd reason I just had the vision of some eighty year old cardinal sitting in the archives just with like a head visor on with no clothes on, just just like the the little red cardinal hat on, and he's just got this visor on, just feverishly jerking it. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, we're canceled. We're canceled. We're canceled. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's it. We're canceled. To like girls from the sixteen hundreds. Oh, stop Jesus. him. Stop him. <laughs> stop him. Hushlings will return after this short message. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can turn into nightmares. Join me as I tell you haunting and horrific reveries about missing people and senseless murders. I also interview survivors and people seeking justice for themselves or a loved one. New episodes come out every Monday morning and sometimes you'll get bonus episodes on Thursdays. Wherever you're listening to this current podcast right now, you can find Reverie True Crime. Hey, hey, Hoshlings. It's Mystery Mike here. We just want to take the time to thank you for supporting our show since the very beginning. It warms our hearts. If you'd like to help us out even more, we'd greatly appreciate it if you would go wherever you stream your podcast and leave us a review, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. This helps us not only become a better show, but it also helps us connect with you. For the next two weeks, until December 21st, anyone who goes and leaves a review on our show on any of those platforms will be in a drawing to win an Amazon gift card. It's that simple. Leave your review, let us know, and you're entered. Winner will be drawn 12-21. Thanks again, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Take a step out of the chrono visor and into the world of secret societies. The Catholic Church first prohibited Catholics from membership in Masonic organizations and other secret societies in 1738. Since then, at least 11 popes have made pronouncements about incompatibility of Catholic ways and Freemasonry. From 1738 until 1983, Catholics who publicly associated with or publicly supported Masonic organizations were censored with automatic excommunication. Get out of here. 1983 CDF Declaration of Masonic Association states that Catholics who quote-unquote, enroll in Masonic associations are in a state of grave sin and may not receive Holy Communion, unquote. (laughs) They hated the Freemasons. If you joined a Masonic club, then you cannot go get the wafer on Sunday. Nope, and you can't use the Corona Visor to look at all the erotica. (laughs) (laughs) No longer allowed. What if the Freemasons have a bigger collection of erotica? Yeah, the the Vatican's just jealous. They're like, why are you going over there? Fuck it, you can't come over here anymore. (laughs) Are you saying they have better porn? Their chronovisor has 4K. The G doesn't stand for God, (laughs) it stands for the good shit. Look at when we talked about the Oddfellows. They were very similar to Freemasonry, and I'm sure that they were not looked at very well by the church because of their fraternal organization. Which is odd because they each followed a religious leader, which made their sex different sects i was like why does that make their sex different (laughs) (laughs) but it it like split up their group 
who they were following as their religious leader. So at least with the Odd Fellows, like they they were heavily religious. It's a little weird that there are so many groups and quote unquote secret societies that were against the church and specifically against the Catholic Church. It kind of makes me wonder where the underlying issue is with these Masonic groups and the Illuminati and a bunch of other fraternal societies and what their beef is with the Catholic Church. Yeah, I, like I, there, there's a missing part that people don't know. I think there's probably some singularity between Freemasons and the Illuminati. Freemasonry is a whole thing, and I believe it's some. I believe it's the secret society we're doing for our season two live show. We'll we'll talk a lot more about them. But the thing is, with Freemasons, are is that there's Freemasons that I'm sure still wanted to go to church. They just joined, I guess, the boys club. Do you think the church is against the YMCA, or is that just a U.S. thing? <laughs> Or maybe the church funded the YMCA, created it so that little fucking weird priest people could be like the the lifeguards at the pool. Well, yeah, I guess you can't use my statement because it's the Young Men's Christian Association, right? Mm-hmm. Is I it mean, really? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh. I, I, is that what yeah. the C is? I just know the song. Yeah, Young Men's Christian Association. <laughs> what if it's its own thing? We have pools and skate parks and gyms, and you guys have hard-ass pews and loud organs. Who would you want to hang out with? Other weird priests. At least you can hit a sauna. There's probably some dope saunas in the Vatican, though. Oh, yeah. 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 There has to be. Oh. And you got to think the sauna steam comes from you pouring water onto hot rocks. So it's probably, it's got to be holy water. So that's holy that's steam. That's crazy. Their, their pores are getting blessed with holy water. And they're sweating holy sweat. Holy sweat. The next group that the Vatican has some ties with or may not have ties with would be the Italian mob. So the Vatican Bank formed during World War II, ironically, we'll get there is known for its connections to organized crime, who use the Vatican's sovereignty to escape the scrutiny of world banks. Sus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cap Capital letters. Yeah. Sus. In the 70s, allegedly, the Vatican tried to purchase $900 million in counterfeit bonds from a mafia-linked organization, and in 2013, a priest was arrested for trying to use the Vatican Bank to smuggle millions of euros for the mob. Jesus. The most famous of the Vatican Mafia scandals was the collapse of Banco Ambrosiano, an Italian bank where the Vatican was its main shareholder and which it used to launder money for the Mafia. After the banks collapsed, its chairman, who some believe murdered Pope John Paul I, was found hanged under a bridge, which was concluded to be a mob murder dressed up like a suicide. Here's the thing. If you're going to suicide yourself, chances are you're not going to take the time and the effort to go under a bridge, hang the rope up into the rafters, and jump from under the bridge. You're just going to jump from the top of the bridge. (laughs) Yeah, concrete your feet and jump from the top. We don't know how high the bridge was. I mean, what if it was only like 14 feet? It was a low bridge with shallow water underneath. But again, that brings into question, why would you take the time to go to that specific bridge, which is only 14 feet tall, and hang yourself from underneath it? No, you, you make a point. That's sloppy. It, it's the same reason why Romans put head on spikes on the way into cities. Make a statement. It's true. I do that in my front yard. Keeps away the Mormons. <laughs> it also probably deters the Girl Scout sellers, not during COVID season. Yeah, I don't think they go door to door. 
Not anymore. It's no. incredibly dangerous. This brings us into World War II. The Holy See, which ruled the Vatican City, pursued a policy of neutrality during World War II under the leadership of Pope Pius XII. German troops occupied the city of Rome after 1943 Armistice of Cassible, and the Allies from 1944, they respected Vatican City as a neutral territory. One of the main diplomatic priorities of the Bishop of Rome was to prevent the bombing of the city. Now, the British policy, as expressed in the minutes of a cabinet meeting, now, the British policy that was expressed was, we should on no account molest the Vatican City. Ugh, choice of words. Yeah, but that our action as regards the rest of Rome would depend upon how far the Italian government observed the rules of war. Now, that's a quote from Wikipedia. The U.S. military exempted Catholic pilots and crew from air raids on Rome and other church holdings unless they volunteered. Now, I, I'm pretty sure that they, regardless, they just bombed the shit out of whatever they were told to bomb the shit out of, so plenty of churches that were bombed during World War II. Yeah. yeah. I also had read at one point, too, that a lot of the pilots themselves, some probably volunteered to not be a part of that, but I'm pretty sure that there was plenty of pilots that were like, well, we're, we're doing what we gotta do to end this. Whether it's Rome or the Vatican or Berlin or wherever they're at, they're dropping them. Well, we can't talk about World War II without mentioning the Nazis. Thousands of high-ranking Nazi officials from the war had escaped to South American countries, most notably Brazil, Chile, and Argentina. Most of these escapees managed to make their way out of Europe using routes through either Spain or Italy, known as rat lines. That's something I never knew about. I never knew about the term rat line. A lot of these Nazis supposedly snuck out. I mean, it makes sense through... Italy with Mussolini. It was an access-controlled country in World War II. And most of these Nazis you, you hear about going to Argentina. That's definitely the bulk of it. So that's pretty interesting. Isn't that where Hitler retired? That's what they say, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think so. Either there or Antarctica. I don't know. I'd lean towards Argentina. There's alleged witness accounts of Hitler getting off of a fucking plane in Argentina. Yeah, Those, and they, they got like, like pictures like of him. like some 89-year-old dude. They got pictures of him later in life. Yep. He got like a an Argentinian bride <laughs> and became a farmer mm -hmm. or some shit. Living the life. <laughs> I am just a simple farmer. <laughs> I'm not Hitler. <laughs> the Vatican has refused to comment on these events, and the majority of the relevant documents have, as of 2019, still not been released from the secret archives. Clearly, some Nazis were aided by the Vatican in their attempts to get Catholic war refugees to safety. Harvard researcher Gerald Steinecker argued the Vatican chose to help the Nazis because they hoped for a revival of European Christianity and had a significant fear of the growing influence of the Soviet Union. Mmm. Sounds like a cop-out. Yeah. A little bit, right? What we're getting into is that they basically took in Catholic war refugees, and most of them were Nazis. Know, a lot of them are Nazis, yeah. Which brings us to Pope Pius XII, who was the man in control during all this debacle nonsense. 
And from the very first days of the war, with Germany's invasion of Poland in September 1939, the Pope was put under immense pressure to speak out on the behalf of heavily Catholic Poland. One major event was the Nazi military encirclement of Rome's ancient ghetto on October 16, 1943 and the extraction of more than a thousand of the city's Jews from their homes, mostly of them women and children, and he did nothing. They were held for two days in a military complex close to the Vatican. The Jews were put on a train that would take them to Auschwitz and to their deaths. The Pope's silence during the Holocaust is itself part of a larger issue, the Pope's reluctance to publicly condemn Nazi Germany. That's a big thing. Yeah, that, that's an issue and that's a huge red flag. I understand that they want to maintain neutrality, but if they didn't help all the refugees of war there and they excluded the Jewish population and took the Catholic population in and some of them were Nazis, say somebody asks you a question, oh, well, do you think the Nazis did something good or bad? And you're like, I plead the fifth. Well, that's sus again with the capital S. I was watching a lot of stuff on Pope Pius XII, and they most recently, I think as of 2017, released a bunch of documents on Pope Pius XII and his involvement with the Nazis during World War II, and a lot of stuff points to him actually even working with the Nazis. And that is, I would imagine, something that the Vatican wouldn't want released. So even though they say, no, oh, there, there's a bunch of documents that we're going to release on Pope Pius XII, I think that they heavily combed through that stuff and may have had little backyard bonfire with some of those documents. But even during World War II, Pope Pius was called out for not doing anything and not condemning the Nazis and not condemning the Holocaust. Fast forward to today, and there's a lot of people in the Jewish community who directly correlate that there could have been, and this is this is a stifling number if you really think about it, there could have been millions of people saved during the Holocaust and not put to their death had Pope Pius spoken out. You think so? Well, this is stuff that people in the Jewish community and, and a lot of a lot of historians believe. It's the whole reason. I mean, these guys might, might not have had a bonfire. They might have just... That's the whole reason for us bringing all this stuff up is the fact that this stuff could all be within the archives of the Vatican, of what they're hiding or not hiding. Realistically, look at it this way. All the things that we've gone through, the excommunication of the Knights Templar, the one of the popes just pretty much saying, hey, the Holocaust is cool. So many of the other things that we know to be fact and so many of the things and documents and information that the Vatican itself has put out has made the Vatican look so much like shit. Yeah, it's a lot of heinous shit. Yeah. Now imagine, if you will, all the things that they aren't telling you. Something as heinous as all the child rape allegations and all that other stuff that the Catholic church brings to mind. It's insane to think that these are researchable, verifiable facts about the Vatican and about the Catholic Church. Your mind is boggled by the things that they're actually hiding from you. Yeah, if you look at the shit that you can publicly look into with the accusations of the, the molestation and then you, you've got the World War II stuff, the idea of whatever people don't know about the Vatican is, like you said, mind-boggling. We talked about them possibly housing the devil. Can you imagine? You can take from all of it that this is a city-state that has 
absolute power and the answer to no one. So they could possibly have everything we're talking about. And if they yeah. do, it makes them the top dog on the planet. That's the interesting part. Even if they were to come out and admit all these things and say that they participated in all these all these terrible, terrible things, it's not like the Italian government would make any kind of moves towards them. It's not like you would have groups coming out of the woodwork to sue the Vatican. That wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. And even if it did, even if some world court saw the Vatican versus the people, nobody's going to rule against the Vatican. And realistically, the only reason that the Catholic Church is as careful with the information that they release and they're so adamant about keeping these secrets is for their followers. Because as we talked about in the first episode, their followers pay their bills. True. If the Catholic Church comes out and says, yeah, we're just a bunch of pieces of shit, then how many of those followers say, well, I'm not going to follow a bunch of pieces of shit? Then where do they go? See, it, it leads to a whole different bunch of questions. I think all in all, if all these conspiracies are true of to what the Vatican's knowledge is, we mentioned the existence of Christ and the devil and aliens and angels. If they have all of it, maybe tell somebody like, what is your guys' opinions? Do you honestly think that the Vatican has even 50% of this stuff? 50% yes. Yeah, 50% I would go with. At least. What do you think the most compelling evidence of what they have is to you guys? What do you think? Because I want to say they definitely probably have the chronovisor, whatever that is. And then whatever we had spoken about between the Galileo trials and all that other physical stuff. But what I don't think that they have is the devil. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to have to go with no, no devil. I don't think that they have packs with extraterrestrials. And if they do, then they're just as bad as where we're going next, which is Area 51, Sector 4, where they could have actual alien bodies. They could be friends with the Vatican. Do you think that there's a Vatican emissary at Area 51? <laughs> That'd be nutty. There is the popular belief among conspiracy theorists and the groups that they frequent that the Vatican and the Catholic Church is run by the Draconians. Could the Pope be a, a lizard person? Ooh, lizards. If we're going to get into lizard people and debating whether they're real or not, I would definitely go off on a limb and say, yes, the Pope is a fucking lizard. <laughs> then yeah, maybe maybe not this Pope, but the last Pope for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, what if every face. pope is just one lizard fucking shape-shifting into different forms? Yeah, just shedding its skin and growing new skin. Yeah, oh, man. Shedding their gross... Ugh. So, in the Vatican Part 3, we talk about lizards. <laughs> church no. <laughs> no i think i think that kind of sums up a lot of what the vatican has you can speculate and check out what's on the internet and what you can find about the vatican and there is a lot of interesting stuff there's tons of documentaries but if you can find the right one then you can get some some juicy stuff like some of the stuff we found most of them are cnn and really you know pillowy documentary well, soft yeah, soft documentaries that don't, they don't give you much. They provoke the question, but don't mm. tell you a damn thing. Look into the Vatican. It was a fun one. I think so. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to be changing pace and zooming out to the desert. Looking up to the stars. To Nevada. And we're going to be talking aliens and UFOs and conspiracies in the desert. 
So we will see you in two weeks for debriefing 13, Area 51, and S4. Yes, and we want to thank you all for coming to another debriefing of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Just a quick little reminder, if you are a listener of us and you enjoy what we do, please, I would urge you, we we would urge you to go on to your local podcast platform, whether it be Apple Music or Google or Spotify, and just leave us a rating. Leave us some sort of review. Tell us we're doing a good job tell us what we're doing wrong call us out on our bullshit we enjoy it yeah tell us that we're terrible you can also email us at hush hush society at planetmail.com you can reach out to us on all our social medias on facebook twitter and instagram we are pretty heavily on there so if you ever want to talk to us and chat with us and see what's going on for the rest of season two please reach out we encourage it And Hushlings, don't forget to keep an eye out for Cryptid Chronicles, a new segment we are going to be hosting about cryptids and monstrous creatures of the swamps and the forests and the mountains and wherever you live. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a special guest for our first one. Our first episode is going to be about the Jersey Devil. And again, Hushlings, don't forget to tune in to our live show, March 29th, 2021. It sounds like so far away, but it's going to come quick. It'll fly by. Just like the UFOs in the next episode. <laughs> I'm Declassified Dave. And I am Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. And we'll see you again in two weeks on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. And peace be with you. And with you, and with you, and Until with you. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.